Hello and welcome into another episode of Hacked History. For those of you that are counting along and for those of you who aren't, I don't really care. Point is, this is episode four. Uh, just a quick note before we get to going on this episode. Get to going. Wow, I am already failing. Okay, oh, nice. <laughs> just a note before we start this episode. Uh, there's going to be some sensitive material covered. Uh, and while we are going to do our usual thing where we kind of try to goof around a little bit, I just want to give a note that uh, we don't want to sort of downgrade or denigrate any of the things we're going to be discussing in this episode. We're going to try to keep it very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, Jake? I would say we try to keep it professional, but we try to keep it light. Oh, exactly. Because yeah. um, some of the topics we will be covering are going to be very uh, sensitive. So just kind of a heads up uh, before you start listening to this mm-hmm. podcast. With that being said, uh, you're, you're, the beautiful voice you're hearing right now is my own and me, myself. I am Lucas Jake. Oh, wow. <laughs> me. And I'm it's all me. I'm it's just my, me. And, and I'm here with my partner, Jake. And I'm going to say it again because it, it makes him upset. Jake, what's your name? Uh, Bongiorno. <laughs> Jake from State Farm. <laughs> I was thinking you would catch that reference. Oh, I know. I know. Nice. I swerved it. For those of you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you avoided that bottle. Glorious bastards. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Brad Pitt's awful Italian hey. accent. This isn't a movie podcast, though. It's so. not, but you know, hey, but, okay. why not? So, uh, Jake, what's our topic this week, my friend? Oh, uh, yeah, this one's a real winner. Uh, but we feel we need to talk about this one because if it was a history podcast that didn't feature this person, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't be doing our jobs. This is Hitler. So, just Adolf. again, Adolf Hitler, not his cousin, not his brother, not his mom, Adolf Hitler. Not Ben so, Hitler? Yeah. Ma Bennett Hitler. Ben Hitler. Mon Hitler. No. So, yeah, as we want, as I want to reaffirm, too, as we're going through everything, you know, if we are touching on stuff like misconceptions or stuff like that, and you go and say, well, th- this offends me. Well, hey, we're not intending to offend you right off the bat, you know, yeah. but this is something that me and Lucas as historians, we have to do in sort of like a way that is both entertaining, but still sort of like, you know, pretty informative. Because we don't want to give you a 60-minute lecture on Adolf Hitler because... At that point, I think we'd lose a lot of viewers. Oh, yeah. Two, I don't think anybody wants to sit through that. So we're going to try to do our best to give the topics the respect it deserves, but also kind of throw in some laughs in there. Yeah. In no way are we trying to be disrespectful, because to be honest, and I, I like to think of it like this, both you and I are from Eastern European heritage mostly. Yep. Both the people who literally got dicked by Hitler, so... <laughs> Well, and, and the Jews, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, and the Jews, right? Well, I'm saying the Eastern I, European... I know what you're saying, yes. Exactly, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. See, um, we're already getting into it. we got to be careful. Uh, but, there we go. Uh, just a quick housekeeping note before we get started. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but I want to mention this, because we haven't mentioned it in, in any of our other podcasts yet, which means I have not been doing my job. <laughs> uh, no, you have. Talking about current streaming platforms, uh, I want to give a note that our YouTube channel is still going to be a thing, but we're kind of working on revamping how we're going to use that. Uh, so if you follow us on YouTube at Hacked History, we're going to stop posting the full episodes on there because we have some other lovely pa- platforms that I'm going to discuss in just a second. Um, but just a quick housekeeping note, we're not going to post full episodes on there, but you will have plenty of other places to reach us, and I- I'm going to touch on that right now. And just But just one other note about YouTube, we're going to think about some other ways to sort of restructure our YouTube and kind of do some other fun things on there for you. Um, but just another quick note. Uh, I think most of our listeners are on Spotify right now, which is amazing. Love Spotify. Yep. Uh, but a couple other options. We are in the process of getting an Apple podcast. We're not mm-hmm. there yet. Um, we are in the process of getting approved to be an Apple podcast. We are now on Stitcher. Ooh. So if you're a Stitcher fan, we Don't are know what Stitcher. that is, but it sounds cool. Uh, we have a website. Actually, we do hey. have a show website that has, uh, if you don't want to use an app or a platform, we have a website <clears> completely <throat> free that always has all of our episodes on there completely free to listen to. Yeah. And that website is... Hat dash history 
www.captivate.fm. So you can check that out. Uh, and then one other thing, we're also on Podchaser now. Uh, Podchaser is a podcast review website where you can go out there and give us reviews. So if you love to go out there and give us a review on Podchaser, obviously we greatly appreciate it. Now, I know everything I said was extremely boring, but hopefully potentially useful for some people out there. Without that, Now, with all that being said... Let's finally get into the fire into it. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay, so let's start off with the basic info here. Everybody knows Hitler, and you know some people love Hitler. For those of you that love Hitler, maybe get your priorities reset. Mostly Thailand. No offense, Thailand. Maybe check me. Thailand loves Hitler, and I don't understand why. Don't you remember John Oliver's little episode about that? God. Yeah. So we're gonna try to put this out. Um, I'm gonna also be fair warning on this because. From what I've got here on my setup, there is a lot of info for one guy here. Because, number one, he was... I mean, he did a lot of things that were... I mean, they were bad. But he did a lot of things, period. Can right. I say one thing? Just a minute. I hate Austrian arts, art schools. <laughs> <laughs> no! We got another one! <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. There's a lot here. So, I know it may not be the funnest thing. Because they'll be like, oh my god, this is like high school history all over again. But, guess what? If you don't like that, then why are you listening? So, unless you're here for the witty, unless you're here for the witty barbs, then stick along. Here we go. Great. All right. Yeah. That's my personal favorite part. So, Hitler, he's born the fourth of the six, uh, fourth of six children on the twentieth of April, eighteen eighty-nine. His parents are Alois Hitler and Clara Poltzel. Uh, Alois is actually his father because that's actually like an older German name. Okay. And Clara Poltzel was his mother. Okay. Uh, Hitler actually... So his problems, let's say problems, start like right off the bat. Because Hitler, when he was young, used to clash with his dad because he was harsh to him. Because Hitler wanted to, you know, develop an interest in fine art as a career. Sure. So basically like the old to like 1880s version of like the son who moves off the farm to go to Broadway... To become like a member of Cats. And the dad goes, I ain't having no sons going to be on the stage. Get back and tend the farm. And the kid's okay, like, no, sure. dad, this is a me. This isn't a phase. Yeah, that challenge, that was channeled from somewhere deep, but I don't know from where. Because I didn't was live that, that life. No, it wasn't. You want to be in Cats? I really didn't. <laughs> no, seeing the movie, though, they're making bank, I'm pretty sure. Didn't that movie fail? I don't know. I, I never watched it. Crashed. I think I remember hearing about how bad that movie It was, was weird. That's what I remember. Anyway. Okay, we're not a movie podcast. So, uh, so yeah, he's already got problems with his dad. Very, maybe, how almost to say very strict household. Because back then, you know, if your father was doing something, with, which was his business, you were intended as the son of the family to go into it. So if your dad was a farmer, you would be a farmer. Well, you're coming out of what was, I mean, at that point, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it like on the really far backside of like the remnants of like what the victorian era was yeah basically like, was right. like in europe yeah pretty much so it, it, it spread from of sort of britain to germany like yeah yeah because i mean we could get on to that that germany tried to copy britain because they wanted to be like the next world power but whatever i mean we're not going to get there because you're not here for that you're here for us to talk and tell jokes about dictators. You're assuming a lot of things about what our audience is here for. I don't know. I assume a lot of things. Am I assuming wrong? I don't You're know. You're making an ass out of you and me right now. <laughs> Why? Well, you said that really seriously, too. I did. You're making, <laughs> you are making... You are embarrassing us in front of the Connors, Jake. Please stop now. <laughs> it's like, why, it's why like every dinner party, you, Dad. Why can't you be a carpenter? Why can't you be normal? <laughs> I'm going to go on Broadway and start guests. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. All so, right. anywho. Uh, yeah, and so, after that with his dad, you know, they're not 
close. His and his family are kind of sort of split up. Uh, actually, after the death of Hitler's younger brother, it's like Adolf, actually, make this easier. Sure. Adolf's younger brother, Edmund, in 1900, he actually becomes detached and introverted. I think mostly just due to the fact that when he loses a sibling, that hurts him emotionally. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, that's normal. Anybody who's gone through that will understand. Not, not saying that you are Hitler, but I'm saying you would probably that, understand. Well, that's a that. normal thing. See, the thing is, one quick comment. It's a side comment, but I think it'll add some little depth here. For someone who uh, is kind of sort of going through those things, you know, like, uh, there are aspects of Hitler's life that can be related to, and that doesn't have to be a scary fact. Exactly. Just because you can relate to that one aspect does not mean you will be the next Adolf no, Hitler. No, no, no. Well, I mean, that it could be anybody, right? I could say personally mm-hmm. that I have a fondness for reading books and shit that could make me similar to Ed Gein. Ed Gein's a serial killer from central Wisconsin. Doesn't mean I'm going to be Ed Gein. Right, but that it's just Plainfield. Plainfield. <laughs> Shout out to Plainfield. I taught near there for a while. Y'all really don't like talking about it, so we're gonna stop. <laughs> if there's anybody from there, like, oh my god, you brought it up. You brought him. Watch him throw his computer out his it's window. Like, well, it's like that one thing that town is known for that no one wants to talk I'm about. I'm sorry. Yeah, that is kind of true. Actually, what's weird is the high school students over there. They absolutely want to talk about it. Oh, That's all they want to talk about. They probably want to go to his property and do stupid <sighs> shit. There's nothing there. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, and basically by that point in time, as we're moving along. Somewhere in Hitler's early life, and I can't tell where because as I'm researching this, we find out that because Hitler was a fascist dictator and the Soviets would later come to destroy everything that he created, they destroyed everything that was related to him pretty much. Documentation, anything. The idea would be that you could denazify Germany. So what we're going on sometimes is what remains. It's kind of like what we talked about with uh, Napoleon stuff, because of right. just the age. But there difference. are a lot of scholars that cover. Yeah, there are. Covers life, so we know. We, we know, know quite right? A bit this about is not like hearsay. Obviously, this right. is real. We, can, we have a lot of better yeah. Bible evidence. We just yeah, don't yeah. have all of the details. Yeah. Plus, this is a forty-five minute podcast. So if you really want to get into it, the deep end, give me a DM, and I can basically give you a scholarly lecture. I don't think you want to. <laughs> if you do, there's something seriously wrong with you. Well, anyway, okay. you know, now you've probably just per- dissuaded that person. Let's um, go. No, have is- I dissuaded? him or have I enticed him? This is a good time to remind anybody, if you do actually feel like having a comment, I know we talk multiple times about how you can get a hold of us, but we haven't really provided any details. The best way to get a hold of us would be of our Gmail address, which is yeah. hackedhistory101 at gmail.com. Yeah. Again, it's hackedhistory101 at gmail.com. Yeah. That'd right. be the best way to contact us. Not sponsored by not that you, Not that you'd want to contact us, but just I mean, case. to be honest, and if you do, for the love of God, please keep it civil. <laughs> I know how people can be. I mean, at this point, I'll take any email we can I mean, <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take DMs from Craigslist. They're like, would you like me to come to your house and rub butter on your feet? I mean, no, no, I wouldn't. Probably don't ask for butter rubbing on feet because that's probably not going to happen. I'm not. Somebody might just bring that to you. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say no to that particular request. I would I say no. I can't vouch for you, but. I would definitely say no. I don't like the feeling of anything on my feet. Anyway. <laughs> Your God. <laughs> yeah, what we tell you. All right. So yeah, uh, he shows that early interest in German nationalism. He actually, the, so Hitler starts yes. believing in the mm-hmm. idea of German nationalism, and what we mean by that is that he felt that German state. Das Volk. Yeah, das Volk basically. That's the uh, Deutsch. I, yeah, go ahead. Can I comment on this? Yeah, go ahead. I just I do have a lot of side knowledge on this as well. Actually, okay. I didn't even do much research for this one. It was mostly you, but I did take the right with Dr. Brian Hale. Shout yeah. Out. Um, yes! <laughs> oh, God. Um, but uh, the one thing I will say from that class is uh, we talked about the concept of Das Volk. So it really brings it, 
and if anybody knows the, the car brand Volkswagen, yes, they, that is the first word in that. But it really means the German people as a whole, and it was all about that communal sense of being one. Yeah. So it was that whole idea yeah. of German nationalism. They called it Das yeah. Volk because it was the people, but it was more than the people. It was like the people. An who, idea of the people. It was the idea of the people having all of the same thoughts and ideals. It was, and it was strange because this is sort of a – I hate to say it's not Nietzsche, I don't think. I, I don't remember who it was specifically because I took a – I took a psychology class which referenced Nietzsche, but that's not important. Yeah, and sort of to put it in for Americans like us who don't get, like, well, what the hell are you talking about? It's kind of the idea of, like, an intense patriotism. So think of it like, um, I would say after 9-11 maybe a good example of this, where we were all sort of, like, American. We weren't African-American, Asian-American, like, Caucasian. I think patriotism and nationalism... I hesitate. It's here, here, here's my here's what I discern between mm-hmm. the two. So patriotism, I think, is more of you love your country, but you're still willing to understand that there are other things about your that, country that's that are true, not yeah. perfect. Yeah. Nationalism is when, in which oh. you think your country is the best country ever. It's perfect. It can't be improved upon. You are the best in everything. Oh. That's the difference between patriotism nice. and nationalism. So yeah, I just, I just wanted to point no, that no, out. That's so good. We, that's good. I don't want to step on any academic <laughs> toes here. Just <laughs> yeah, like you're stepping on anybody's academic. Well, toes. you know, you never know. Anyway. <laughs> Look at that one professor. I studied 10 years, and I'm going to argue you on Facebook. I don't know that we're going to have many history professors listening to the show. When we if you do, please tell us who it is. <laughs> have you met some of the professors at the UWSP? Oh, I'm not going to. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to burn a bunch of bridges here. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say what that meant. You didn't. But I didn't say who it was. <laughs> it was highly implied. All right. <laughs> I didn't say social studies professors either. So, hey. Okay, Science department, come at me. Anyway. Let's keep going. <laughs> so. You get so many emails. From who? Who's going to care? I came up with the email address now. I like you literally went from, I like you went from nobody's going to email us to everyone's going to email us. I love the change. Anyway. So, uh, That's yeah. A joke, Jake. But anyway. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so, yeah. Pretty much that idea that he got into that german nationalism he starts saying basically germany as a whole is the best nation and and what it basically needed to do was to spread out and become the best nation everywhere so in a weird way i mean you could see this as sort of like not a symptom but a similarity to like the sort of victorian colonialism that was going on around the same time with various european nations because england was under the same as in in uh, intentions you know france and Belgium and Germany kind of got in there, but not really. So by this point in time, the, the colonialism has happened. So you're talking about his opinions pre-World War One, right? Yeah, pre-World War One. Okay. This was sort of a creation, the idea that Germany needed to be the next world power because they were kind. Everyone was kind of like pushing mm-hmm. with England mm-hmm. because they had the world's biggest navy. And mm-hmm. we get it, your boats are cool, but you know, get off your high yeah, horse. You like and give us back India. You like boats? I love boats. The fact is, I don't like it when white people's boats come to my land. To take my stuff. Yeah, we talked about Columbus. That's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, some of those white people don't know how to fucking sail. I think I would be okay with it if you knew where you were landing. So I, 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 I'm gonna say that I'm not I'm not Native American, but you're I, not. You're I, white. You're white as the day is long. I highly doubt that they would have been more okay with it if, you, if they. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but right now, I mean, hey, at least we would. I say, at least from my personal perspective as a Native American, and I say it like this: Look, you won by disease and steel and like gunpowder and unfortunately it just seems all the more like hurting that the first white man to step foot in what is considered native territory didn't even know where the hell he was going that's fair that is fair you're right (laughs) 
You were gonna, like got a little like. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, just keep, keep your white guilt. Keep, keep her moving. Keep her going, there, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, basically he well, so one of the things that he does is Hitler when he's early, he starts to reject the authority of Austria-Hungary. So here it gets a little dry. That's what I was warning about. And, and basically he's saying like Austria-Hungary used to it exists as two separate countries now, but back before World War One, it was sort of like this big kingdom. Turkey. Yeah, basically. It's what it's not modern day. It's Turkey. basically Turkey, right? Yeah. So. But it used no, that's to be the, the Ottoman Austria, Empire. It, okay. That's the Ottoman Empire. Austria-Hungary is. Is, yeah, is, is yeah, so Austria and yeah. Hungary together? Yeah, you're right. So basically, what what happened was that he said, "I reject the idea that Austria-Hungary, who at the time had a king who was ruling the sort of German area." He's basically like saying, I don't recognize you. The German people should rule. Fuck yourself, because that's not going to happen. Um, and basically, this drives him for the rest of his life. So where we start looking at, like, when we get into World War II and stuff like that, and we start talking about, like, the racial ideas he starts pushing, this is really where it starts for him. Um, he shows – oh, here we go. No, I, I read the same one twice. So after his father's death in 1903, his, Hitler's mom kind of allows him to drop out of school. Because at that point in time, I that his like mom was way more supportive. Of yeah, his, because uh, at that point in time, the really strict part of his family sort of unit was gone, and so he sort of drops. Well, he doesn't sort of. He drops out of school for whatever his father was intending him to do, and then sort of knocks around for a while. After I, I his, will say that quick comment yeah, on German schooling. Yeah, uh, it's not set up in the same way that uh, schooling is in the U.S. Like mm. there are specific. Um, secondary schools for specific professions. Like, there's one that's yeah. more uh, for, like, white-collar jobs. There's one that's blue more collar for, like, jobs. blue-collar jobs. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember exactly what the names are. Oh, man. Um, it's, I a, took... it's a different schooling setup. For this. I, I took high school German, which doesn't I really... Too, but I don't remember. That really doesn't qualify me for this, but I remember it was, like... Like there was, as I remember, they had elementary school and preschool, mm-hmm. but then they started separating them. So it was like middle school, Hauptschule, and then gymnasium. I don't gymnasium, know what. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what I gymnasium think, was. I think the gymnasium was one was supposed to prepare you for college, and the Hauptschule was like, like the a high school, uh, yeah, blue collar one. Was it? Yeah, it was like a technical college sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, technical of, school, not but, a college. Yeah, but okay. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Just made that comment about so yeah, so his, his schooling system basically just kind of dropped out, and so. At that point in time, after his mom dies in 1907, he moves to Vienna. He starts working as a casual laborer. Like I said, he's just knocking around, finding different jobs. This is about where my love for – excuse me, not my love. My hatred for Austrian art schools is going to come. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here. here we go. And uh, he basically was a watercolor painter. Now, we said this one in Napoleon, if you're paying attention, that I said – and I will say this again – when you look at the paintings without the name, the paintings are decent. Paintings Once you bad. notice who does it, then you're a little more. Paintings aren't bad. Well, it's yeah. kind of like music from R. Kelly, like. Yeah, I know. And, and no, 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 like um, it's no like the it's like the guy that. who did it's like the it's Gary Glitter when he did like rock and roll part two that everybody does at like a hey 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 dog you know nah nah yeah see we unfortunately for us we're not sponsored by Gary Glitter but you're in jail so you can't give us any money anyway. And no way I'm not uh I'm not uh. Saying that R. Kelly and Hitler are the same people, <laughs> and obviously the things that they've done are massively different. Oh, yeah. Um, but the idea is that the uh, art right. created by the person is separate from that person. Right. Uh, See, the idea is their talent was not indicative all the time of who they were. Correct. In this case, obviously, and your hatred is well-versed for Vienna art schools, because he applies twice and gets rejected twice. Damn, yeah. Damn, Damn. Ooh, that hurts. That hurts bad because when you're thinking about it, that's kind of difficult for a person when you put all of it into painting and then you just get rejected. That that hurts. And this is where, if I remember 
where the life of Hitler is, and this is sort of where his life starts taking... Like, not that he didn't have those sentiments, but this is where it really starts He starts to get more resentful at this point in time. It's starting here. So where we can't definitively say he becomes Hitler as we know Hitler. Well, because well, after this, doesn't he go serve in World War One? Yeah, so yeah. at that point in time after is when we start seeing Hitler proper Hitler. After World War One. Yeah, right, at, during and then after, yeah. So, effectively, here, here's what happens. So, it, it's kind of like a Rick from Pawn Stars moment where... Where Hitler's like, let me let me come in here, let me show you what I got, and then they're like, mm, yeah, no, I'm gonna have to pay three fifty for that pe- that holy grail right there. That's that's <laughs> not gonna happen. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a profit. Rick from Pawn Stars, I know your game. Now correct me if I'm wrong. Hitler doesn't serve in the German military, does he? Actually, that's a little strange. He actually does. So what happened here was that in between World War One and when he got sort of kicked out of the art school system, he becomes kind of like a homeless vagrant. It's really weird. This I didn't know about. So, at this point in time, he's an orphan. He doesn't have a lot of money outside the orphan's pension that the, the state... Sorry? That the state would give him, which wasn't a lot back then. Like, it was barely enough. So we're talking a time period when, like, poor programs and homeless programs did not exist. And they wouldn't exist for a, a good, like... I'm gonna say, like... Like, 90-some-odd years, almost. So, uh, he is basically sort of going around, he's selling postcards for money, he stays in homeless shelters, and he starts to, he starts to kind of cultivate this anti-Semitism, this, like, anger towards what is considered to be the Jew. Anti-Semitism basically meaning that people hate Jews for their religion based on a variety of reasons. Either it's their religion based through biblical stance, or it's some sort of Zionist conspiracy business. They usually think, like, the Jews control the banks. Like, this is just a... This is their thought. This is not anything the we Haitian can do. The Jews goes back all the way oh, to... It, it um, goes way back to, like, well, before Jesus. But the Jesus modern movie. instances of it um, have to do a lot with what's called the Elders of Zion, which oh, were yeah. um, essentially the sort of at the forefront of modern anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Uh, things written in Russia. Uh, the pogroms in the early 1900s. Well, is what inspired the pogroms. Oh, okay. Um, because the elders of Zion is essentially it's um. First of all, it's a little bullshit. Oops. Yeah, it is absolutely. <laughs> it's called whoopsies. Um, <laughs> I said a bad. Basically, uh, a really large conspiracy theory. Uh, it started kind of like a little pamphlet slash book where, essentially, there was like these the whole idea is that there's these people sitting like these grotesque looking creatures that they call Jewish, Jewish people yeah. sitting around it, like sitting around the world and they're like pulling the strings of all the things that are happening yeah. um, people who control like the world banks people who control like main manufacturing institutions politics stuff like that yeah so the idea the uh, the concept here which took place and took hold really in a lot of countries and it wasn't just in Germany too by the way I, I'm not absolving anybody of this it would happen in Germany, it would happen in Poland, it happened in Eastern like Europe and Russia. But to understand the application of anti-Semitism yeah. in Germany, you also have to understand the uh, science of eugenics that yeah. was really popular on yeah. this time. It's the idea that genetically you're superior to someone else just based on what makes you you. Based on basically like selective breeding, sort of like animals almost in a really Well, the idea of selective way. breeding comes out of eugenics. Because yeah, but that's like I said. Someone first yeah. has to believe that they're amazing. They're amazing. other people Create, need to be like yeah, me. yeah. So we're going to create other people with the same genes as me because that's how amazing I am. And, and God, I'm that's such a high level of narcissism even – it just offends me slightly. But yeah, it I get what's you. It's really messed up. Oh, yeah. no. So when we're talking about this, by the way, um, I did a – yeah, because this totally qualifies me. But um, And that's sarcasm, by the way. 
uh, I took a class with Jerry Jesse, who's a professor, and he did Darwinian sort of like history, sort of Darwinian revolution or evolution stuff like that. And we talked about the idea of sort of eugenics, the the notion like the Scopes Monkey Trial, where like in America in the 1920s, so this wasn't just the Germany thing. This was like maybe it was all over the world really. But in America in the 1920s at the Scopes Monkey Trial, there was this trial between the concept of, I believe it was like a school teacher who taught evolution in a school. And so the entire like basis of how education worked, they got very upset about that because the concept of like evolution did offend some of the religious groups, but at the same time, there was this group that said, oh, no, maybe this is right, right? We are, we're trying to create the perfect human being. In their mindset, they also just stated that the perfect human being happened to be white. So there were cases all over the country where people who had mental disabilities, people who were, like, considered to be a learning disability state, were literally sent to trial in order to be, like, decided whether they were going to be, like, euthanized. Or not euthanized. They were going to be sterilized in the U.S., like that's this is a Nazi Germany thing that we think of, but like they're talking about like sterilizing human beings from breeding well, based on like and that. here's the thing like that we really should like the U.S. is not out of the woods when it comes to anti-Semitism, especially even during this time period. No. Uh, the U.S. put like the U.S. rejected refugees coming from Germany during. No, the St. Louis incident's a great example of that, where we literally sent a whole boat of refugees back to Germany to go to the camps. So we don't really need to go into it completely. Just realize that the U.S. is not out of the woods when it comes to this sort of stuff. We're not infallible by any extent. So, yeah, at that point in time, you know, he's starting... We're starting to push into this concept, too, that anti-Semitism, it it exists, but it's not as... I want to say it's not as, like, widespread within Germany at this moment. Like, it's not like the, the basic concept of like the government's no but I'll, I'll tell you when it does spike is after world war one so absolutely we should, we should probably, we should we're getting get we're I. getting there. you're ca- you're captivating me by your captivate um i'm not sure what that is but um it's some sort of website here captivate by the way for those people wondering <laughs> is how we get this podcast on spotify a podcast would not be possible without captivate we're not sponsored by captivate if they sponsor anybody we're not sponsored by them so yeah, uh, by 1913 here, he relocates back to Munich. So he's back into Germany, and that's when World War One happened. Basically, in 1914, he applies to serve the Wehrmacht, that's the German army, in 1914, and he spends a lot of his time actually away from the lines, which is weird because in his memoirs and his diaries, he talks about being on like the battle line the almost like a majority of his time while he was in the service. That's all exaggerated, or a good chunk of it's exaggerated. Oh, I mean, are you talking about Mein Kampf? Because that book has it a might lot be, of issues. It, yeah, well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So, for people who are looking at it, like, wow, this, sound, this sounds like real. No, this was not real. So, just we, we're not judging you if you thought it was, but, you know, there you go. So, uh, he actually, though, for a good number of his, or a good number of the significant battles in World War One, I'm not going to go through them, he's actually involved in, like, either the fighting or in some capacity. So, he's a corporal, by the way, just to give you an understanding. Isn't it true that he almost died? Oh, actually, yeah. So he was wounded at the Battle of the Somme in 1914. That gains him sort of like his prestige of like the badge of um, being wounded in combat. Sort of like the Purple Heart for Americans. It's a, mm-hmm. I don't remember, it's a black badge of some kind of the German army. 
But yeah, he at one point in time they said that he actually had his life spared by a British officer or a British soldier on the line. Right, so that story about well, the British officer could have killed him, but then didn't. Didn't. Uh, just for the record, I also hate British officers now. <laughs> by the way, he didn't know what was going to happen, so I. <laughs> no. In that man's defense, Lucas. I'm kidding. I, I, I don't really hate things. I just. You just, you I like just, to joke We're about. like, we're millennials, so we figuratively hate things, I very even much though we know very things. little about them. I very them. much dislike things. I don't hate them. Hate I, is a strong I don't, I don't hate. I mean, I hate Nazis, just because, you know. Oh, Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they're Nazis. Not, they're not good. What's going on with you? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, again. So what happens here is he, he, he gets wounded at the Somme. He gets a couple medals out of that. He gets temporarily blinded in a mustard gas attack. That one's pretty interesting. Um, and pretty much at that point in time, for him, the war is over. Uh, after the war, he, like a lot of other veterans, so we start talking into, like, like rise of Nazi party area. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pissed over the fact that the war effort collapsed at the end because they thought, like, oh, the German people failed us. We didn't fail. Or not, like, the Kaiser. The Kaiser didn't fail us. The German people failed us. And then in Hitler's mind... It, it sort of reinforces that really passionate German patriotism. The but we're talking like nationalism patriotism. Nationalism. Right. It, so it's, in this, it's kind of used interchangeably, but when, like in this case, it's nationalism, like pure and simple. It's not like patriotism, like, oh, we're great, we're good, but we could be better. See, it's it, like... Sorry, sorry to cut you yeah, off, but like, my, one of my personal crusades is to, for people to stop saying patriotism when they really mean nationalism. Yeah. Because there's a heavy difference between the two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you use that... You'll learn something today, and we're trying to make you better. All right. <laughs> so he, uh, yeah, he starts towards the end, like at, right at the end of the war, as he's starting to look at the defeat, instead of looking at like the way that the war sort of just destroyed Germany overall because it couldn't handle the, the weight of having like a, what, like four-year world war like that between two fronts. He starts blaming the Marxists. And the civilian leaders for Germany's defeat. So the Marxists are basically like communists. They're, they are communists. But that's what that's what they kind of call them. And these German yep. civilians, these are like the politicians in Germany, the big businessmen in Germany. This idea of like, okay, they, they call it like a knife in the back theory. This well, is, and I think, before you can get into that, okay. I think it's important to summarize what happened to Germany. Like, yeah. Because to sort of assume why he, to, to say why he was blaming these people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the treaty that's signed, uh, the Treaty of at Versailles, uh, like another one, because there's been a lot of them. Yeah, there, there's been a history, There's been a lot of his, their treaties signed at Versailles. But this particular treaty in 1918. Uh, this treaty was, or it was a Treaty of Paris. Uh, no, I think it was a Treaty of Versailles. I think it was Versailles. Yeah, well, I'll, um, I'll go over sort of what happened. So in the Treaty of Versailles, just in a very shortened sense, the Treaty of Versailles, it was kind of like, it was, a, okay, so there's a weird thing going on here, because there are two ways this could have gone. It's sort of like the perfect, like, choose-your-own-adventure book in that the European powers kind of maybe took the wrong way. In that, in the Treaty of Versailles, they decided to place a lot of the blame on Germany, and they started putting these, like, crippling economic sanctions. So these ideas they hit, of okay, reparations... Let's, just, let's simplify They okay. hit Germany with a hammer. Like, yeah, that, basically. That's what they did. They basically, they, like... They essentially saddled them with a debt they knew they couldn't pay. Yeah. And then they said, no, you can't have an army, basically. Or a navy. You can even have, like, a mini army. Like, yeah. That doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then you and then you can't train troops and stuff like that. Like, yeah. You can't do it. You can't have uh, submarines or aircraft or tanks or any of that business. And then, essentially... Okay, so I didn't mean to cut up. I just feel like I don't want to get too bogged down no, in the facts. No, that's Otherwise, fine. we'll... Uh, we're all having a two-hour podcast. I don't think anybody wants to We're already to at the 31-minute mark. Um, 
So, yeah, we're going to have to probably pick it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to talk about with Hitler. We apologize. Yeah, because there's a lot but, of stuff going on. So, essentially, I think it's just important to understand that um, Germany gets plunged into a really bad economic situation. Oh, yeah. Real bad. Um, to the point where, you know, things like toilet paper cost, like, thousands of marks. Or, yeah, or bread costs, like, millions. Because there were yep. pictures online, if you go and search, there's pictures of people with wheelbarrows. Well, there are a bunch of memes out there yeah. where it's, like... Where people are just like there's like a like a big room full of cash and it's like oh there's somebody one loaf of bread yeah basically right there's huge <laughs> inflation and yeah. then it it basically a lot of the veterans looked at this and go we weren't the ones who caused the failure these people behind the scenes did well so, there, there was they wanted to blame somebody so they found scapegoats scapegoats and, and right that's where the and it became the Jews it became, it became the anarchists mm-hmm. it became the the left became the easy Marxist targets communists. really anybody who was was not like the uh, majority of the population Absolutely, in terms right. of his eyes yeah those are the people they were gonna blame and sort of that's where this hatred starts developing or starts really manifesting itself like Hitler already had it. But uh, it starts really kind of just coming out. Yeah, here. yeah. Here is where he gets the perfect sort of like justification for it, right? Because now the country is basically in shambles. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot of like uprisings in places. But so he – once the war ends, he returns back to working for the army. He works as sort of an intelligence officer. Um, they're sort of monitoring what's known as the German Workers' Party. And that is where he starts adopting sort of the anti-Semitic, nationalist, anti-Marxist ideas of the party's founder, Anton Drexler. Uh, Drexler is the founder of the German Workers' Party, which for those of you who like, sound like that sounds like a union, right? It kind of was, but at the same time, union groups could absolutely, for be considered to be left-leaning, could absolutely be anti-Semitic, nationalist, and, and other things. So... Here, he's sort of learning the, the process of this political party. And so, as he moves on, he joins this DAP, which is the German acronym for it, which is the Deutsches um, Arbeiterparty, Arbeiterparty, maybe I, let's say it's called the DAP, and changes its name to the National <laughs> Socialist Deutsches Arbeiterparty, which is the NSDAP, the which is just the Nazis, right? Yes. Yeah, so he personally designs the Nazi Party banner, appropriating the swastika, placing it on the white circle with a red background. So for those of you who want to know where that came from, hey, the symbol itself, the swastika, is, is a well, Hindu symbol. But, yeah. and the, but the original symbol of the luck. swastika was not supposed to be... Um, no, it, he basically hijacked the symbol and said, well, let's and make it crooked he tilt, and hateful. Yeah, he tilted it, right? Like, yeah, yeah, let's tilt that bitch and make it hateful. So <laughs> um, he grows this party from here. He starts drawing in all these right-wing military groups to provide protection because, you know, mm-hmm. he's a veteran. He pulls in a lot of these veterans groups who are all pissed off. And on the 8th of November, 1923, Hitler and the SA, this is the Abteilung. this is sort of like the, the party group, party members. Sure. Uh, they're called the SA, storm a public meeting in a large beer hall in Munich. A beer and hall announced, Yeah. And announced that the gov- national revolution is at hand and declares a new form of government. Flash news here, that shit fell apart real fast because it ended up killing a good chunk of his party and he went and to jail. And then Hitler ends up in jail. Yeah, it, for high treason, which is actually pretty interesting. They didn't just shoot him. Um, he this sentenced, is where he writes. Sentenced to nine months in prison. Yeah, so during this time, he starts dictating most of his first volume for Mein Kampf. This is Mein Struggle. His sort of autobiography and political, me- metal, yeah, his political manifesto. 
the book is a work of propaganda and falsehood. Uh, the whole the thing is, is just bullshit. It's a bunch of rambling. Uh, it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like if you read well, it, I mean, like it wouldn't make any okay, sense. Okay, but like it's crazy. Not, it's not even well written. No, like, not really. No. Like obviously, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm not advocating for anything. Or, or, but or, like. I'm pretty sure a layman anti-Semitist could probably make more sense than he makes. We're looking at, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, the guys who write, like, total, like, manifest before going on a killing spree probably make more sense than this guy. And just to be clear, we're not advocating for any of that stuff. No, we're not. Hitler was a very bad writer. He sucked at a lot of things. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not sorry. What the fuck am I saying? Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Why, why are you sorry for that, man? You should, I, you I feel like Paul is like part of me is like, oh no, you don't want to, you don't want to alienate those. Are you oh yeah, burning that's right. Those, of not liking Hitler. Those, <laughs> those viewers are Nazis. Who gives a shit? <laughs> so um, so yeah, he he creates this, and out of this comes this plan for transforming Germany into a society uh, based on a pure race. This idea of Aryan, which is mm-hmm. blonde-haired, mm-hmm. blue-eyed, mm-hmm. part of that eugenics thing that we were talking about. No Jews. No, no people who are crippled, no gays, that's for sure, and no mixed-race people. Like, th- this, like, he's adamant about, like, getting rid of any physical inferiority as he sees it. It's not an inferiority, it's a disability, and we live with that. I have a disability of, like, learning. Lucas, if you feel I comfortable. I mean, I have a visual disability, yeah, so. That's like I said, like, two of us. I have blonde hair and blue eyes, but the visual disability probably would Probably, w- so. I'm mixed-race, I probably would have been put in the camp. Like, that's... I probably would have just died straight up. They probably just euthanized me, put me in a hospital bed and say, nope. No. Just, just had you taken off the street um, and shot. But, so, uh, anyway. So, here I kind of shortened it up because there's a lot of information, but, and I'm right. not going to go through all of it. But from 29, 1929 to 1939, Hitler becomes sort of like a rock star. The, uh, so, the thing that... The main event I want to mention yeah, there that I, I don't know if you were going to talk about is the uh, Reichstag fire. Oh, yeah, uh, I was, the, yeah. There's a lot of uh, controversy about, like, mm-hmm. about, like who caused it, but the Nazis definitely seized on that opportunity to sort of say, it was us, we're gonna... Yeah, well, no, so this is sort of where I where I sort of touch on it, because from 29 to 39, he be, like I said, he becomes this rock star figure in Germany as he starts using this, like, really... I mean, I'm gonna say it. He has a very effective speech quality. He's a very aggressive speaker. Oh, yeah. Really... No, there are pictures of him where he shows, like, poses and speeches. It's very, like, authoritarian and aggressive. Or, if you want a really good example, for those of you who are listening, go online, search Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator speech, if you can find it in, in full. It is basically sort of the way, they, like, Charlie Chaplin took it from Hitler's actual speeches. Not like, he, Charlie Chaplin was a comedian. He was making fun of Hitler. But you get this sort of sense what he was doing. He was using a lot of hand gestures, aggressive like sort of vocals, and it makes people listen, right? So he draws crowds of thousands like to Nuremberg and the rallies there and all across Germany. And so he starts looking at this and says, I can use my propaganda to start pissing the German people off about what had happened during World War One. He takes their anger and resentment towards what had happened and utilizes it as sort of like a weapon. So Part of it here is using that idea of like what you call the Reichstag fire, because at that point in time, Hitler had started gaining the public say, you dislike Jews, identify Jews, get rid of them. They're you know, blood suckers or whatever. This is what he would say. Well, he was saying they caused he, all the issues that are happening. Yeah, see, he, he would basically create like a scapegoat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he was basically saying all the Jews create all the problems. He's pulling the Mel Gibson card here. And so – he uses, too, this moment here where the Reichstag, which is like the German parliament building in Berlin, it catches fire. And so basically Hitler goes and says, you know who caused it? The anarchists and the left, like the left wing, oh my God, the left leaning 
parts of government, like the anarchists, the Marxists, the communists, you know, all these people that were considered to be like dangerous. But it was really most like the Nazi party. Oh yeah, no, they they literally. I think they they started or they have come to the conclusion. Excuse me. That they started the fire and then basically used that as Mm -hmm. a chance to sort of create a political coup. And so what happened here was that he was able to rocket himself into being the chancellor with yeah, and, a German majority in parliament. Yes, and there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole say, sequence there. We're not going to get into yeah, there's it. There's a lot of politics, um, and that's why we tried to I mean, avoid it's really that. good, but like, it's not, we, we can't, we don't have the time to cover it. Um, there's, a few, there's videos um, out there. Unfortunately, there. I think we're going to really have to do World War II disservice, too, because we don't have, have oh, no, the no. amount of time I know. I really, I really cut it down. So, yeah, basically what we're saying, he takes, at this point in time, he actually starts purging a number of the original members of the Nazi party in the SA. So he starts mm-hmm. ousting people for being homosexuals. There are quite a few. He ends up getting a lot of his political opponents killed. Mm-hmm. So that he's the leading guy on the mountain here. Yep. And so he gains, a, and then, like I said, he gains that legitimacy through political office. At that point in time when he's chancellor, he starts putting in these laws to sort of get rid of the rights of Jews homosexuals, the disabled, gypsies, those of mixed mm-hmm. race, the idea being that they were considered to be political prisoners. And then he would put them all into concentration camps where they would basically just sit out the rest of their lives. Or be killed. Or be killed. In most cases, at first it was, it, what was weird about this was that first they didn't actually turn to killing until they started the war. Before they would put them there and then they would like try to re-educate them. And then when the war started, they're like, ah, screw it, let's just shoot them. Like, stuff like that. Or if you were, if you were, like, mentally handicapped, then they would just sterilize you. There's a, a whole range of huge, like, laws that were, like, Nuremberg laws that created. There's a lot of laws. Yeah. So, in 35 here, Hitler starts moving, or starts turning to other nations and ethnic regions around Germany in order to create what is the new German state. He starts grabbing areas that had originally been part of the German like kingdom or empire before the war or for world war one so he goes for austria czechoslovakia the sudetenland areas that he deems to be considered german based on ethnic majority well i believe the term he's trying to create here is what's called the uh, volksgemeinschaft yeah which is essentially just a massive a massive piece of land that he considers to be a german piece of land yeah and so I mean, so, okay, like, I think at this point we can probably, most of people's high school yeah, At this point, now, now it's starting to kick in. So, um, yeah, at this point in time, like I said, he begins that process right after. So, from 39, he invades Poland. We all know that one. They go to war with Britain and France. They take Norway, Denmark, France, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Belgium. And then in 1941, they're fighting North Africa, the Mediterranean, the Battle of the Atlantic, and There's the ocean. There's a bunch of stuff that happens in Russia. You don't, it, oh, you don't that, invade that's Russia ex- during the winter. That's exactly where we start to kind of see the town turn here, because the invasion of Greece, the invasion of Crete, Operation Barbarossa is really where he shoots himself in the dick. Because basically, they go into Russia, and from the winter of 41, they're like kind of still winning... But the Russians are like, now we're starting to pull the full force on you. Like, now you're going to feel the And pressure. I'm not a military historian, and I, but, and I don't, like, claim to be, but most of the issue there was they went with three different lines of attack instead oh, yeah. of just going with just one. One to the north. They split their troops up into three different prongs. One down the middle, and one like, to the equally south. equally separated from each other. So, it, yeah. if one started having issues, they really had no also, ability to support Also, when them. you send your troops into a country who's known to have a bad winter, and you have Napoleon to tell you that... You don't send the troops in without winter gear. 
So just saying that outright. But uh, the turning point in that... It goes real bad. It goes real bad. So that turning point in that war is 1943. What happens Mm -hmm. there is this uh, battle of Kursk in 1943. This huge, like, tank battle between him and the Russians. The the Russians kicked the Wehrmacht's ass, like, handily. They smashed the German army. And they basically... The Russians now have gained the, uh, like, that aggressive momentum... To hurdle the Germans back into Germany. Well, and the thing that really made the Russians win, if you look at the numbers, is just the amount of people they had. Well, and, and on top they, of they that... They took massive, massive casualties, oh, but yeah. they literally just kept throwing people at it. Well, it's, and, and it's part very of it... Close to some and, of the, and then later, you know, obviously, Germany is not as big as Russia. So, you're first off, Germany is fighting a country that is literally, I think, like three times the size of it by just well, landmass. Germany, if Germany could have taken Moscow, Russia, would have, Russia probably would have fell. The, One possibility, yeah. So, I mean, like, they were really going towards Moscow, and if Germany would have gotten Moscow, that probably would have been a massive... Well, yeah, see, they were, like, well within sight of Moscow by the time the winter hit them, but that's not important. What is important is that the Russians kicked the Germans' ass in 43. Now, here's where Hitler... And we start leaning back towards Hitler, because here's the point in time where his personality starts to change. Here, at this point in time, now, he's the commander-in-chief of the German armed forces all across the ground. Like, ground, air, sea, the whole shebang. Except here's the thing. That failure at Kursk, where the army gets hit real hard and the Russians start kind of pushing now more steadily, is where Hitler starts to doubt his generals. So the army starts losing well, favor Hitler, with Hitler. At this point, basically, he just starts getting super worried about everybody because this is when the assassination attempts start. Actually, this is before it. So what happened here I was... There, I think there was some before it. There was a couple, but they weren't as successful. And the real big one was in 44. But what happened here was that, yeah... I kind of mentioned this in my notes that this is sort of his beginning of his descent into madness. Because at this point in time now, he's starting to suspect that his generals have failed him. He starts turning towards what is called the SS. The Sturm... I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. Schutzgestapo well, or something the, like they're that. They're these secret police. Yeah, the SS is like his bodyguard, secret yeah. police. And they also have like detachments in the military as sort of like the like racial parody divisions that would go out and find Jews in towns and just like kill them outright. Like mm-hmm. these guys are bad. These mm-hmm. are these are like psychopaths mm-hmm. bad. So he starts blaming the army for that failure. And he starts replacing generals in mass with like either generals that are like yes men, like absolutely loyal and will not tell him no. Or he starts replacing his generals with like SS people. Who are like fanatically loyal to him. Like there's never one mistake anybody can make it's not how it's someone who can't tell you that you're wrong the truth right because he go he would fly into rages of being so pissed off he would throw stuff and then he'd be fine he so what happens here is is as the war starts to really turn by 1944 the soviets are pushing the germans through eastern europe like at this point in time now they are back into poland almost because at that point in time you have the warsaw uprising where the soviets are really on like the outskirts and let the polish die but you know um and in the West, you've got the Allies who've landed in Normandy. They've had a hard fight. The Germans, the Germans just get pinched, basically. No, no, yeah, basically. They're just crushing yeah. it like a vice. So they're trying to smash it. And it's kind of weird because the Soviets are able to just outproduce German factories. The Allies have a huge amount now because you've got America over the ocean mm-hmm. who's producing without any threat of being well, blown up. The American troops is really, like, turns the tide for at least that front. Oh, yeah, on the Western front, yeah, absolutely, because the British, like, they'd been waiting for this for years, right? They were ready to enact some ass-kicking of their own, and that, you know, it was well-deserved. And so they basically shoved the Germans out by the end of 44 and 40, or the beginning of 45, the the Germans are basically hemmed into where their national border is. So the Allies are on the Rhine, and the Russians, I think, are on the Oder, I believe it is. I'm trying to remember if that's the river. I might be wrong. 
But they are basically Vice Titans. It keeps getting tighter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So by that point in time, right, the 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 Allies now and the Soviets, they're pushing, pushing, pushing. The Soviets break into German territory and they hammer straight for Berlin because they know if they get Berlin, they get Hitler. That's it. It's the end of the war. Yeah, there's Hitler didn't really have anybody that was gonna like step up and just be able to take up the mantle. It's not like there was a number two he had hiding. He had Goering as his number two, but then you start to see, even though we don't touch on it. If you start looking, Hitler starts suspecting everybody around him of being traitors. Like, if if generals don't report on time, he literally would order, like, the SS out to go shoot this guy. Even though, like, as the Battle of Berlin is happening, like, there's so much chaos that there are generals going missing. There are troops going missing, commanders and stuff like that. He just starts ordering people killed. He starts, like, putting, like, a guy who's a corporal, telling him, you are a field marshal now. Break through the line and, like, open up Berlin so we may win. Like, he's starting to go crazy because at this point in time, he actually moves into this huge, like, bunker system. Yep. And that really takes hold after the assassination. What's called the July Plot in 1944. Because by this point in time, a lot of his army generals were like, this guy is out of his fucking mind. We're going to be destroyed if we don't, like, sue for peace or something. Because the army, they set up this, like, concept of, like, let's plant a bomb in his main headquarters. The Volschatze, which is in, like, Prussia and kill him right and actually like in shout out to Paul Sabar's class he was saved from that bomb blast by the wood like the oak table mm-hmm. that he apparently Paul told us the story that the oak table had been in the same forest they burned like witches like centuries ago and so it was sort of like a weird irony but you know it's just a neat little story he tells us and so on top of that there's actually another assassination attempt that didn't happen but almost did. So Albert Speer, who was actually Hitler's munitions like guy, basically like his munitions manufacturing architectural guy, he was like sort of like a, like a close friend. Speer had had this plan that once Hitler moved into the bunker, he'd throw like a poison gas grenade down the air vent and just kill everybody in there. But he never did it. He actually sort of not. He didn't really pussy out. He just was having a really tough time deciding what to do. Because if if he didn't work, you're a dead man, right? Like, you would be screwed. And your family would die. Like, there's no, like, just you would be killed. Everybody in your family would be killed. Like, that's, you had to take, he had to take a lot in consideration here, even though he didn't do it. So Hitler kills himself. Well, almost, right? The... Like I said, there's a lot here. We're getting there, though. We're getting there. Okay, but we I we need some misconceptions. We spent a lot of time. I know. You keep you keep pausing me, and I can't I can't go. I'm not pausing yeah, you. Yeah, but now we're wasting time. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, after that, he just puts all trust in the SS. The SS and him now in that bomb shelter called the Fuhrer Bunker, 2,700 square feet, 30 rooms, really nicely furnished actually. And you know that's where he stays until he kills himself. Yeah. Uh, he marries Eva Brown on the 29th of April, 1945. Kills himself on April 30th. That was actually yesterday, everybody, for those of you who would like to know. Oh, that's time of the episode, isn't it? Time, yeah, yeah. And basically did it through self, cyanide and self-inflicted gunshot. Uh, and both their bodies would be disposed of in a bomb crater near the Reich Chancellery building. They'd set them on fire, basically. So that's, that's where his story ends, but actually what's going on with him, these like misconceptions outlive him. So let's hit for the first one. Hitler refused to shake hands with Jesse Owens. This is the first misconception, though. Those of us who don't know who Jesse Owens is, he was an African-American athlete. He gets his stardom because he participates in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. And this Olympics was meant to sort of show off the superiority of the German Mm -hmm. race, so the Aryans were better than Mm -hmm. everybody else. 
kind of turned on its ass over tit when an African-American guy wins. So think of Hitler. Hitler gets maybe a little pissed about that, which infuriates Hitler, according to the story. So, so pissed off, in fact, he leaves before the thing is done and refuses to congratulate Owens. Now, the reality is that this event actually never occurred, that he never didn't actually congratulate Owens. What happened was that Hitler actually was only there for like one day and then went back to doing government business. So he wasn't there for when Owens won. But it was sort of created by U.S. newspapers because it was sort of sensationalist. Mm -hmm. The concept alone of an African-American man winning in an athletic event back then in the 1940s was big. Right, especially in a country that was consisted mostly of like racial ideology. But so they this might have come actually from a real event, which were a man known as Cornelius Johnson, who was another African American athlete, got snubbed by Hitler on the first day of the Olympics. And they probably just took it with it. And so Jesse Owens, right? Probably. I mean it's bigger name, you know. It yeah. happens even nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number two, Hitler's anti-Semitism, this one people might have actually heard, was caused by injustices perpetrated against him by Jews in his youth. So, this goes as... Sounds like a load of BS. It is a load of bullshit. But here's what it, what is said here. There's this belief that Hitler's hatred of Jews stems from interactions in his early life with Jews. Negative interactions. And one of these stories is that Hitler believes his mother was poisoned by his Jewish doctor, led him, led him to a life of hating Jews. There's another story that goes that his anti-Semitism was caused because his Jewish commanding officer in World War One. See... Jumped, hold up, jumped over him for a promotion. These are all just stories. These aren't real. I know, but that's not what's making me upset. This stuff sounds like Hitler apologetics. It that's is. That's the upset. problem. That's the problem. There's a lot of Hitler apologetics. It's like Southern, like, Confederacy apologetics. You well, just gotta admit it. Mm-hmm. And you see it in a lot of things, but just the fact that people are... Yeah, see, so, I mean, long story short, it's bullshit. The whole thing is bullshit. Yeah. He hated Jews because of what had happened. And it was we, starting we, from his early we life. We talked about what he hated. We, we just got yeah. there. So, like, yeah, this is basically like saying that he was... This is apologetics for why he... I'm sorry he killed, like, six million of your people, but he wasn't meaning to that. He was just the way... That's bullshit. He was that way. He intended it First that all, way. I don't care really what happened in his youth. That's no excuse for killing millions of people. Exactly. Right? So, <laughs> Sounds like you're directing that at me. No, I wasn't. I'm, I'm just doing my job, man. I'm not directing you. I'm directing the people who actually believe that and take that as like an actual excuse. Yeah. So, yeah. There's another one here, riding along the same train of sorts. That was not a pun. For those of you who may catch that in the comments, so fuck yourself. Um, Whoa. Number three, Hitler was part Jewish. This one I actually have heard. I've heard about that one, Yeah. Too. So they said that Hitler it was sort of like ironic. They would say Hitler, the guy who created the Holocaust, was himself Jewish. I think there's some people that want that to be true. It's funny where this comes from, actually. So, there is the, according to the myth, Hitler's grandfather was a Jew, which makes him part Jewish. Or, that's what they would think. They also said his mother was Jewish or his father was a rabbi. That That's like basically saying like the game of telephone where you start with I mean, that misconception right. and just blow it away. Well, this is kind of going around the same, you know... Concept, right. Concept, this is same yeah. apologetics, sort of. Um... What actually happens here is that this started from an actual, like, rumor that was created when Hitler was starting to come to power, and he was starting to say the Jews are the cause of the problem, because a lot of people in Germany said he is Jewish, right? Sort of the idea of making him look like a jackass, and um, from there, it it sort of survived in small little segments, and then sort of became part of a public conscience in certain areas. 
because people would start with that, tell somebody else, that person would tell somebody else, that and it would start to get grossly like exaggerated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that again, not true, was not Jewish. It's actually kind of weird because Hitler heard about this, hated it so much that he actually created a law where it excluded just him and Jesus from being Jews. I love the concept of a law that says, I'm not Jewish and neither is Jesus. Oh boy. What the hell kind of law is that? Uh, it's a Hitler law. Yeah. You know. Uh, number four. There's a number of, of TV ch- stations dedicated. Yeah. It's the one where it says they escaped to Argentina. Yes, mostly because you're looking at my computer screen right I, now. I can't read it right now. All right. I just yeah. So number four, Hitler. Shout out to the History Channel. Hitler escapes from Germany in 1945. And National Geographic and whatever. Yeah, that's have. a bit of an issue for those stations because we've kind of come to that conclusion. So there persisted some myths that state that Hitler managed to escape from Berlin and escape. I'll to say Argentina. it right now. 100% sure he died in the bunker. Actually, you know what's weird about this? He did. We know that he did. Because, like, the Soviet, like, well, what was Soviet now? Russian archives literally let us take, like, a section of his jawbone. And they did, like, a DNA test and found out it was him. Like, they did this, like, based on okay, forensics. What's but weird? what's weird about this is that actually this was created out of a legitimate fear that he actually had escaped in 1945. So there are po- there were posters that were put up in Germany basically depicting Hitler and then what Hitler could look like. Because at the time, at the time, the Russians had control of Berlin. The Allies would not know that Hitler had killed himself. It, basically, communication was non-existent. So basically, what they were saying was... Well, Stalin was kind of an asshole himself. So. He was, but the fact is they weren't sure. He kind of sure. was a massive understatement because Stalin killed more people than Hitler did, which is a fact that a lot of people don't know. That's true. But um, but basically stating, like, the Allies were afraid that if Hitler escaped, you know, he could create another, like, Nazi party in, the, like, Argentina. Because you had Nazis who moved there. Mm-hmm. You had... What the hell's his name? Oh, man. Eichmann? Not, Eichmann. Eichmann yeah. was the guy who would do that. He's sort of like the, the poster child of Nazis moving to other countries. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he didn't. He, the, he died in the bunker. Primarily because of the way... He, I mean, the, first off, the city was encircled, right? That's going to be hard to get out of. And number two... He didn't want to leave. Hitler has this, like, obsession, the concept of dying for the cause, that he was like, I will stay here and die. I will not leave. Well, he, People he, literally were telling him, fucking go. And he was like, I'm not going. Like, well, he, be- he believed so, like, vehemently in his cause that he was willing to die for it, and he didn't see I mean, mostly it was part option. of his mania a little bit. Well, he didn't see failure as an option. Like, he did he, Yeah. I... I, I he, I don't think that he could have lived a life in which he had failed to do the things. See, that's that he what was... that's what pokes such a big hole in the Argentina theory is the fact that like you think a man who literally conquered most of Europe and posed the biggest threat to like Western or not not Western civilization but like freedom, I guess, would like settle for being a chicken farmer in Argentina. Like that's stupid to me. No. No. All right. And this and two on top of that, there's a couple of the things right like the fact that he has his mania that they could win at the last minute. Plus, his failing health, like, he was starting to, like, fall apart. He couldn't sleep. He had, like, health issues. My final one, and my favorite one, my favorite one here. Okay. Hitler has one testicle. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to bring that one up. I've heard about that one. You have? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, actually, I like the story of this because it's not real at all, which is weird, but they still How say it's up to the... Dick one and now a testicle one two weeks ago. I don't know, man. History's weird, isn't it? <laughs> um, but basically, this last one says that Hitler had one testicle and that it actually came from a military song called Hitler Only Has One Ball. I had the lyrics on my computer, but we don't have enough time. It's amazing. It's a British military song. 
because, you know, they're always chipper. I love it. But uh, basically, we're meant to mock him and ridicule him. Oh, for sure. Basically, a man with one ball is considered to be not a man. I can see exactly where this came from because... Because he's half the man he well, used to be. Well, it's propaganda because the British people are like, ah, this will be a really funny song. Yeah. We'll just spread it. Yeah. It'll become a rumor. And that rumor persisted till today. Yeah, basically. Um, and, and what happened was that throughout the war, that was what it was used for, basically ridicule. However, contemporary research emphasized, and I don't know which researcher would specify his time for this, that he actually had a complete set, as told by those who were close to him. Actually, I think they found out that through his chauffeur, because they all both had to go take a leak on the side of a road. <laughs> Again, I don't know. It's Hitler weird. Hitler had two testicles. We- Mystery solved. Okay. Party boys. <laughs> That being uh, said, we're going to move on to the Mako oh, podcast. Uh, I've got four quotes, and then I've got a little fun surprise at the end that I don't normally do, but we're going to do as kind of a way to sort of detox from uh, all of the things we've talked about <laughs> this episode. Um, so the quotes, uh, they're pretty bleak, obviously. Uh, so the first one I've got is, The great masses of the people will more easily fall victim to a big lie than to a small one. Oh, that's such a good one, though. So that's that's basically Hitler saying, listen, I'm going to lie big because it'll pay off more. He's going to be a big, it'll be easier than a small lie. Well, and from all the things we talked about, I don't even think we need to explain that one. That just makes sense. (laughs) He just lies bigly. That's what it means. He lies bigly. Yeah. Because he thinks it'll work out better for him. And for the most part, he was right, unfortunately. How fortunate for governance that the people they administer don't think. <laughs> I love that one, too. Oh, man. That's so blatantly asshole-ish. That's well, why I like it. it's basically him just shitting on the Volk. I know. Just the he was proclaiming to and love yet, so much. it's so much like you-know-who. Oh, no. Okay. Um, we're, we're not going there. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying it. Uh, the leader of genius must have the ability to make different opponents appear as if they belong to one category. Mm. So the idea, um, sort of when you talk about villainizing people and making them feel like they all fit into one category. So here's what the problem is. These people, you know, the communists, the Jews. Like the intervention. That's what they would call them. Basically anybody who he sees as inferior being the problem. That's what that's, that's what that quote is getting at. Um, and then you have the last quote I have. The victor will never be asked if he told the truth. <laughs> so basically, take the Hitler. That one actually seems kind of Hitler true. Hitler justified. Well, it goes off the. It's basically another way of saying it's the victor who writes history. Exactly right. Which is what a lot of people say. And to a large extent, yes. But I feel like in modern times we've kind of gotten away from that. We do hear the loser's side. More so than we have Well, in the past. we've had a problem in America with the losers in a specific civil war telling us the truth of history. And then, yeah. Okay, we don't need to, yeah. Yeah, but that's just a good example of that. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, so then the, the thing that I thought we'd end on, which I thought would be kind of fun, is I found seven jokes uh, that were told uh, during the time of World War II. <laughs> uh, and oh, no. I'm going to go ahead and give this source uh, just to give him credit because I don't think I should use it without giving the person credit. Uh, so it's from a Huffington Post article, uh, and it's called Seven Hitler Jokes Told During World War II, uh, and it's by Rudolf Herzog. Herzog. So, thank you, Rudolf. Um, Danke. <laughs> Danke, <laughs> Rudolf. Uh, so the first one we have, so this one you may have to listen to a little closely because you might not get it if you don't. Don't fucking idiot. No, it's just, it's subtle. It's subtle humor, this first one. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead. I'm not saying you're stupid. Go ahead. Hitler visits a lunatic asylum where the patients all... I'll all doubtly perform the German greeting. Suddenly, Hitler sees one man whose arm is not raised. 
This is what he says. Why don't you greet me the same way as everyone else? He hisses at the man. The man answers. My fear. I'm an orderly. I'm not crazy. Oh, ho, ho. I like it. It's a knee slapper there. Uh, Get burned. Okay. Number two. The true Aryan is as blonde as Hitler, That's as fear. slim as Goering, <laughs> and as tall as Goebbels. I love that joke because I've heard it before and it's great. Uh, that a, takes a lot of thought. It's because Hitler had brown that. hair, Goering was not slim, He was fat boy. was not tall. Yeah. <laughs> Goering uh, looks like a very scary individual. Number three. I got seven of these, by the way. Seven of them. Hold on to your hats. <laughs> An adjutant bursts into Goering's office. The Reichstag is on fire, he says. Goering checks his watch and says, what, already? <laughs> that's, such a, that's almost like a dad joke, but it's sort of like, oh. Uh, well, because the joke there is that they planned it, and I Goering knew it was going to be on fire. I know. I was just explaining for anybody who did hey. get it out, uh, out there on the World Wide Web. I have to keep forgetting that you're not talking to me directly. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Uh, number four, two men encounter one another on the street, and the first one says, nice to see you out again. How was, how was in the concentration camp? The second, uh, man, the second man replies, It was great. Mornings we got breakfast in bed with our choice of freshly ground coffee or cocoa. We did some sports, and there was a three-course lunch with soup, meat, and dessert. After that, we played some board games and took a nap. After the nap and after dinner, they showed movies. The first man can't believe his ears. Wow! And the lies they spread about the place. Recently, I was talking to Mayor, who also spent some time there. He told me horror stories. The second man nods, in serious, nods seriously and says, that's why he got sent back. No. Uh, oh, so, that one's an interesting so one. So that one's a uh, that one I don't even Ooh, know. I would necessarily call a joke, but it's uh, a statement. Start the dark start satire. What, right what there. might be said, you know, what might happen to you if you said bad things with the concentration camp right there, my friend. Yep. Number five. Cinco. <laughs> Number five. Come on, Cinco de Mayo next week. Oh no. Well, we are. <laughs> Not associated by services. We'll see if a certain someone tweets something really stupid on that day. Probably. A certain leader. <laughs> Tweets about oh, those dead people. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, uh, number five. Hitler and Goering are standing atop the Berlin radio tower. Hitler says he wants to do something to put a smile on Berliners' faces. So Goering says, and this is my favorite part, why don't you jump? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's a good one. Oh, no. I love that Christ, one. I love that. Number six. Number six. If Hitler, Goering, and Goebbels were on a ship in a storm and the ship would sink, who would be saved? Answer: Germany. Ah, that's a good one. That's like that's like a political like joke. I like that one. And then the final one, number seven. What has gold in its mouth, silver in its hair, and lit and lead in its bones? Oh no. A member of the Volkstern. Oh. Uh, so for those of you who don't know the oh. reference, uh, the Volkstern is sort of this. Really, it's after when Germany was running out of soldiers. It's like the. Um, essentially, he put out an army full of people in their fifties and sixties who were not and young fit to boys. Serve, and then people who were in the Hitler Junge. Hitler Youth. Yeah, just <laughs> basically like the Nazi Boy Scouts. Of, yeah. Like, so basically, he sent in a bunch of fifteen to sixty year olds with a bunch of fifty to sixty year olds and told them to go fight. A bunch, yeah, okay, so the concept of that is, is really the saddest part of the war, which is, like, old men going to die. It's like, oh, Yeah, God. so, um, essentially, um, uh, hopefully some of those jokes, uh, lightened a little bit of the load, um, but... That last one was kind of a doozy. <laughs> the last one was a little doozy. The fifth one is my favorite one. I like the fifth one. 
that was that's pretty, again a little that dark, gets, but it's pretty. That funny. gets the hacked history seal of approval. That one <laughs> does it. Okay, it doesn't. Oh, oh god! <laughs> like you're never on board for that. No, <laughs> absolutely not. I don't want our brand to be associated with anything. That way we can't get in trouble. That's true. <laughs> anyway, um, next week we're gonna come back with another episode. It's gonna be a little bit less uh, Hitlery. <laughs> I hope so. We're gonna, but we are gonna talk about Henry Ford and uh, believe it or not, some of the same believe issues. Hitlery. Some of the same issues that come up in this episode are gonna come up again. Oh, he's an interesting fella. I'll uh, tell you. So stick around for Henry Ford next week, and uh, we hope you have a phenomenal week. Peace.